Welcome to Death Do Us Part podcast, hosted by my wife, Jamie. Hello. And myself, <laughs> Mark. <laughs> Sorry. Hello. Welcome. Jackie's flying out today, and she sent me a message about um, the fucking plane being delayed, and she didn't pack enough snacks for this. Oh. Sorry, I thought it would be done reading. <laughs> you're done. I was, I was like staring at you. Hello. It's your turn. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> And we're doing this for the third time now. Yeah. I fucking hit stop instead of pause when I had a pee. Yeah, I did that. 50 fucking minutes it into it. It sucks when that happens. Dude. I mean... You, yeah, I'm pissed right now. Yeah. I was going to say, you could have peed while you were sitting there, but people probably would have heard it. Oh, so. yeah. It's loud. <laughs> so. Ugh, so let's start this shindig. Yeah. Um so we got Patreons. Yes, we got four new Patreons. Yes, we have Jennifer, who signed up for Sergeant. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, we have Tom, who signed up for Sergeant. I almost just said his last name. Thank you, Tom. Uh, Melissa signed up for Patrolman. Thank you, Melissa. And she messaged me while she was listening the other day because she was digging a fucking hole while she was listening <laughs> to us. That's awesome. Um, and then Sabrina, who signed up for Patrolman. Thank you, Sabrina. And she was drinking fucking moonshine listening moonshine. to us. Moonshine. And it was pink. Fuck, that sounds so good. I know. What flavor would that I don't be? know. It was just pink. It could be a lot. Yeah. I don't know. But I'm definitely down for some fucking moonshine. Me too. Could I bring my cowboy hat? I mean, you would have to. I feel like with moonshine. Yeah. They kind of go hand in hand, right? Yeah. Do I look good with it? You do. You I do. told you I would. It's, it's 100% like a 1984 urban cowboy hat mm -hmm. and my dad had one when i was a baby like legitimately when i was a baby so i'm so turning into your dad you're turning into my father yes but i told you i would look good with it the long you hair, did i never beard. i never doubted you mm, now leo oh i want one you look good fucking leo with the i want one bullshit after somebody yeah. gets one because then we get it for her and she never wears ever that. yeah Stone Cold t-shirt? I was just going to say, yeah, that t-shirt, and then I got her another t-shirt. The too. Mean Girls t-shirt. Yeah. She doesn't even go here. Yeah, and she never fucking wears it. Dude, if I was like 30 pounds fucking lighter, yeah. I would take it from So her. no more for her. And I think I even gave her a hat one time, and, and that fucking, I think it's still gone. What hat? Um, like a baseball hat? Yeah, it had like a... Uh, Utah or Idaho or something on the what, front She doesn't of wear fucking hats? Yeah, she does. She took one one time. What, when does she wear hats? I can't remember if it was for school or she oh. was going out for, with the girls. Okay. But every once in a while, she like... As we're talking about hats, I realized that I have seven <laughs> on the kitchen chairs. I know you do. <laughs> I have mine in the basket over there. Yeah. I have like ten of them. I mean, obviously, I wear hats a lot too. But wow, yeah, yeah they're all hanging from. I'll I'll move those today. Probably not, but whatever. Yeah, probably not. No, do I have any? Oh no, none behind me. No. Whatever. It's fucking Saturday. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. No. Take a sip, babe. I'm gonna take a sip. I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna fucking smoke my cigar today. Do it. It's a perfect day for it. I almost grabbed a white claw. Just now, can grabbing you, a monster. Can you grab more cigars for me? Mm hmm Yeah. Yeah, those acid cigars are fucking phenomenal. Um, there's another podcast, and I should have looked it up. I didn't even think about it. Um, we were talking on Twitter about drinking. Yeah. And I said, uh, 
I wish my or something about I wish my husband would let me drink while we do podcasts. And they were like, "Fuck that, we're coming over with shots." <laughs> you want my address? Where are you? Oh, babe, you'd be. Fucking, How far are you? You'd be terrible. Oh yeah, I wouldn't. There's oh, no fucking my way. God. No. No, no. I, I'd be fucking rolling you into the pond. I would love to see you try. Oh, babe, trust me. Yeah. Trust no, me. But I did not grab a white claw. I grabbed a monster. Your tenth for the day. Although it's not. Sorry, it's like ninth. my second. Bullshit. For real. Bullshit. Because I had this, so I didn't. Oh, okay. You had your pink drink. Yeah. So that's your fifth. I'm sorry. But <sighs> clearly, you cannot math. <laughs> so. God. <sighs> Why does it fucking matter? Because it's not good for you. Why do you have to be like such a judge and make judge yourself? As I have my huge wad of dick. I was going to say, <laughs> talking about smoking a fucking cigar later, dick. Dude, Jackson almost made me cry today. I was making my bagels yeah. this morning. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, hey, dad, you know what? And I was like, what? You were asleep on the couch. He's like, you're going to get mouth cancer. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even respond. I just... I look like a sad puppy. <laughs> like, what the fuck, dude? Thanks. And he's so nonchalant about yeah. it, too. And he just kept eating his yogurt. He, he tells me all the time that I'm going to look like the people on the fucking cancer commercials. <laughs> no, he does. Which is awesome, because the one commercial gave nightmares for yep. like a week. Yep. Yeah. But he's very, like, happy-go-lucky. He is. Hey, guess what, guys? That's how You're going to die. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> you're going to have mouth cancer. I'm like, oh, my God. Can I fucking eat my bagels in peace? You can't. You can't. Jesus. Did you see me on the couch last night? Perfect example. Trying to read a fucking book on my phone. I realize it looks like I'm just staring at my phone, but I was legitimately reading a book. Yeah. You're playing fucking Mike Tyson's punch out, trying to tell me who you're beating. He's trying to show me fucking memes or whatever he's watching on his phone. Guys, <laughs> separate. <laughs> Leave me the fuck alone for two minutes, would you? <laughs> like the whole time. I beat Don Flamingo. Look at this. Look at this. You. Hey, mom, look at this. Hey, hey, babe, look at this. <sighs> I was like, fine. Just put my phone down. I really was reading a book, though. Were Which, you? by the way, I downloaded on my phone so he could play on my fucking computer. Because mm. I was reading it on the computer. I gotcha. So, yeah, if I'm randomly staring at my phone today, I'm reading a book, believe it or not. What is it? Uh, it's called um, Gone Little Angel. It's about Shanda Shear, oh, which is going to be our Patreon episode. Our next Patreon. Yeah. Which we're so. going to try to do, what, tomorrow? Tomorrow. <clears throat> if I'm up to it. Yeah, I'm going to try. Tomorrow or Monday. If I have it finished. Because I'm, I'm, I mean, let's call it spade a spade here. It's Saturday at fucking 2.30. I'm taking a nap when we're done. Another one. <laughs> okay, so it's not another one. <clears throat> yeah, it is. No. How's it not? You just took an hour nap. No, see, I went back to sleep because I got a oh, balls fucking early. that's what you call it. Yes. So, it, no, it that's is not. What you call it. That was going back to sleep. This okay. coming up is going to be a nap. I gotcha. See I the difference? You. See the difference? Mm-hmm. You know you want to take a nap with me. I do. Mm-hmm. I do. You know it. It's it's probably going to happen. And he got a new game, so. <clears throat> yeah, so We won't see good. him for another, till he gets hungry. Yeah, he should be good for a while. So, I don't even know what game it is he got. It's not, it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's not like Assassin's Creed or anything like that. No, no, that. it looks like a kid's game. Yeah. 
don't know. He had a gift card still from. Yeah. I I don't even know when. I think Christmas. I think so. I think it was earlier than that. No, I think it was Christmas. Mm. But whatever. We had a fight in the store. Really? Yeah, because I said we had Xbox 360. Yeah. And he's like, we have Xbox One. And that's when I texted you. Maybe we do have one. Well, I texted you and you said 360. And Jackson's like, call Leah. So I tried to call Leah. She didn't answer her phone. So I texted Gabby. Yeah. I said, find out if we have an Xbox One or a 360. She said we had a one. So he was like, I told you. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I still think we have a 360. So if you buy this fucking game and it doesn't work, we're not coming back today. Right. (laughs) So... Yeah, yeah I guess we do have a one. We do. I, I can now confirm because we bought a game for a one and he's up there playing it. Yeah. Okay. So, I I Good don't deal. know. I, uh, yeah, I don't know either. It's been so long since uh, uh, I've played. I've never touched it. Yeah. Oh, but the game he got, did he get it for the, oh yeah, it is the Xbox. Because at first he had a Switch game. Mm-hmm. So. That Switch is pretty fun. I wish he would get some more games on there, and we could put it on the TV. Do you want to get more games for it? I do, yeah. We can. Yeah, I, mean, I do. Yeah, the controller he got, he almost got, was for the Switch. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Mario Kart on there is I just, I, give me Sonic. They have it. On what? On the Switch. No. Oh, yeah, babe. Do they really? Yeah, dude, and we could put that on the TV. Like, in, like the old Sonic? I believe so. Yeah. Oh. I I don't know if it's the old. I'm almost positive, but the new Sonic is like Subway Surfers. Oh. So I mean, you you would Ooh, like it. I might want both. Yeah, but put it on our fucking big TV. Yes. Dude, I'm telling you, we'd be fucking set. We're getting Sonic. Yeah. Hundred percent getting Sonic. Yeah, dude. Yes. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I did, too. I did, too. I used to get pissed because the Sega was in Brad's room. Uh, we had it downstairs, so me and Mike and... I don't know why it was in his fucking room. Probably because he was the only one who really played it. I don't know. Yeah. So we're on 23. Number 23. And you guys are fucking amazing. Because we hit oh, yeah. over 10,000 downloads. Yeah, we're already well over it. We're yeah. at like 10,800. Yeah. yeah. Like in two days, <laughs> we got like 800. Yeah, and it does show up. I know the shows show up, the episodes show up twice, and that's because the way that we upload them. Yeah. Um, it, Which it's the way one, we have to. Yeah, it's one platform that sends it out to all the other platforms, and some of them, like Spotify, it has to be a different file type, so that's why there's two. But Yeah, the MP3. We've had 10,000 plus downloads. Yeah. That's fucking insane. Yeah, in three months. That's, yeah. That's crazy. So thank you guys so much. Two months. End yeah. of May we started. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so thank you guys. Why do people want to listen to us? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I still don't know. We get a lot of comments that people feel like they're sitting at our table or at the bar just talking to us. Yeah. So. We love seeing those messages, too. That's that See, maybe that's why I should fucking drink while we do these. Yeah, right? Just saying. It's 2.30. It's late enough now, right? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Are you kidding me? Maybe, you know what? Maybe I'll just throw my fucking AirPods in later and get drunk and clean. Well, if you... Because then I rampage clean. How about this? If you have one while we do it, I'll have a Corona while we do it. Right now? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Because I'm a... How about we do it when we get up from our nap? Okay. Okay. Deal. Ooh. We're getting spicy tonight if we're having drinks. Yeah. 
And by drinks, I mean two, and we'll be, we'll be sound the fuck out. asleep. Uh, we still have those truly freeze pops, too. Oh, yeah, which are excellent. Yeah. Yeah. We should, yeah. We're getting drunk tonight, guys. Mm-hmm. Best believe it. I'm going to put your fucking cowboy hat on at some point no, while we get drunk. Don't ruin it. <laughs> well, how would I ruin it? Because you would. You'd get stupid with it. Oh, my God. You're a dick. Yeah, but I'm true. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay. So, 23. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Vape. Again. Breathe it in. Fuck off. You have a huge wad in your lip right now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so shut up. Shut up, Mock. Oh, my God. Let me smoke in peace. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> oh, my God. So, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I was ready the first fucking three times. Well, you had to take like five more puffs. <laughs> All right. So we're doing Chris Coleman today. Okay. Um, I don't think it's a very known case. Maybe. I don't even. Because honestly, I don't remember it when it happened. You you mentioned it to me yeah. when we were doing it. And I had no clue. And it, it's never, an Illinois case too. So. Yeah. And I never heard of it. Yeah. So you would think. I mean, it would have gotten. I don't know. Maybe it didn't. We just didn't fucking pay attention at that yeah. time. So, all right. So, Chris Coleman was born March 20th of 1977 to preacher parents, Ron and Connie Coleman, in Chester, Illinois. Chris and his brothers, he had two brothers, were raised in the church, uh, which was an evangelical Christianity church. Um, they would speak in tongues, which. I don't know, like, I know what it means, but I don't know what it means. Yeah, like, I've never seen it. Like Latin or something? I don't, f- no, that's, that's like Catholic exorcism. Yeah, that's strict Catholic. I, I yeah, think. I know, so I don't know what speaking in tongues means, well, but either. we should Google it. I feel it like should. a different language. Yeah, I don't know. I'll Google it right so, now. Um, and he based a lot of his decisions growing up uh, based off of scripture from the Bible. He was described as reserved, well-mannered, and kind- uh, and also as a team player. When a Marine recruiter came to his school, Chris came home with stars in his eyes, and he was so impressed that he joined after high school. Chris was 22, piling up military certifications and homes, or homes, the fuck, not homes, honors, when he met Sherry. Sherry Weiss was born July 3rd, 1977, to Donald Weiss and Angela DeSico in Berwyn, Illinois. She has one brother. Her father described her as a, quote, beautiful person with a very bubbly personality. He said the family moved to Largo, Florida when Sherry was in grade school. She then attended Largo High School where she was a good student and played softball. Shortly after graduation, she joined the Air Force and her parents then divorced with her mom and brother moving back to Chicago. Sherry was 21 and an MP in the Air Force when she met Chris. They were both a, uh, attending a canine training seminar at a center in San Antonio, Texas. Three months later, in August of 1997, Chris brought Sherry home with him to meet his parents. He originally introduced her as just a friend from Chicago, and he was going to give her a ride home. His dad, Ron, later stated, quote, We didn't pick up anything except she was a worldly little girl, little short shorts, tattoo on her leg, not the person we thought he'd be with. Did you find it? 
Yeah, and I still don't understand, understand it. it. A person who ha- who has what? Wait, a person who has what is known as the gift on gift of tongues is usually in the midst of religious ecstasy, trance, or delirium. Experts call this phenomenon glossolalia, a Greek compound of the words glossa, meaning tongue, or language, uh, meaning to talk. Speaking in tongues occurred in ancient Greek religion. So it's like a thing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. So... I still don't. Get I still that. don't really get it. Um, I don't know, but apparently it's a thing, like so a real you, thing. Like utter the words. I don't know. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe we'll like uh, YouTube. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what uh, it fucking was. Uh, that's it, right there. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> this is I love you. I mean, it is when you're sleeping, so <laughs> right. it's not too far off. Um, I'm pretty sure that's not what it sounds like, though. I don't know. I just have a I I have a feeling that's not what it sounds like. I'm going to be pissed if we YouTube this shit and And that's that's exactly what it sounds like. Now I'm going on YouTube. Oh, my God. All right. So Chris then left his house to drive Sherry home. However, he never came back. He called his parents the next day to tell them that him and Sherry had gotten married. Uh, he told his mom, quote, oh, I just got caught up in the moment. Uh, in reality, Sherry was knocked up with her first child. So them being from. Oh, OK. Hold so on. you found it, apparently. I found it. Hold on. So you could just like turn it on and off. Dude's gonna have a heart attack. Yes. If somebody's got demons, if somebody's found It's not really speaking in tongues. Mm-mm. Oh, here we go. What the fuck did we just. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking actual words. Yeah. But I want to hear the guy again. What the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> what the <laughs> What the fuck did we just watch? <laughs> what is that? That's literally all he did. After he yelled, come to America. What? Sir. <laughs> what? Dude, we we went in the wrong business. We did. We could be fucking millionaire pastors. Yeah. We, we I think we say fuck too much though. Still. We, could we can like consider that speaking in tongues? Yeah. 
Fuck. So, Sherry's not. Now we're going to hell. Back to the story. Um, so Chris really struggled with the fact that his marriage would be viewed as ungodly. So they didn't tell anybody that she was pregnant. Yeah. Um. It seemed really to be a union doomed from the start, from what people said. Uh, Sherry felt a lot of pressure from Chris's parents to convert from Catholicism to the stronger beliefs of the evangelical Christian church. Yeah. Um, she really wasn't a practicing Catholic. Mm-hmm. She's like us, I'm sure. She was a priester Catholic, yeah. Christmas and Easter, you know? Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're pretty spiritual, though. We're spiritual, I would think. We're not... Yeah, I, I don't believe everything. Catholicism is, it's a bit much. It is. It's a lot. It is. Um, so the love for her husband actually had her make the decision to be born again. So she was born again into the evangelical church. Uh, it helped soften her image, but his dickwad parents still judged her a lot, all the time. Um, so with a new wife and baby on the way, Chris wanted a, he wanted to find a steady job that would provide well for his family. Right. Uh, the Coleman's were actually family friends with Joyce Meyer of Joyce Meyer Ministries. Mm-hmm. Um, so Joyce Meyer is a multimillionaire religious figure who heads Joyce Meyer Ministries. She was one of the first televangelists televangelical ministries and many were against her running a ministry or even preaching at all because she was a woman yeah it was a big fucking to do but and she's she's really not that bad no she's not like i mean you see like that fucking guy that we just listened to that that's a televangelical preacher on Mm -hmm. tv so you go from one extreme yeah you know, to Joyce Meyer, we listened to her the other day. She's very relatable. She's very easy to listen to. Yeah, but it was. Because she's a woman, Yeah, it's a huge fucking deal. Of course. Which I don't understand because um, like Chris's mom was a preacher, too. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, so, she got a lot, of, um, a lot of criticism and received a lot of threats. So she felt that Chris's military experience made him a perfect candidate to work security for her. So she hired him as part of her security team. Uh, Joyce Meyer Ministries is based out of St. Louis. So Chris and Sherry moved to Columbia, Illinois, which is a St. Louis suburb. In 1988, Garrett was born. I like that name. And then two years later, Gavin was born. I like that name. I do. I like them both. In 2000, soon after um, Gavin was born, Chris was promoted to the head of security and began making a decent living, uh, making over $100,000 a year. Not bad. Um, He once told his worried mother that being a bodyguard was, quote, just a matter of looking tough. The bald head, being beefed up, never smiling, it's all intimidation. 99% of it. He is one of the most least intimidating individuals I've ever seen. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And he looks even less intimidating when he grows his hair out. (laughs) So, um, so it is said though, that this promotion led to Chris's true colors coming out. Yeah. Uh, he overturned the entire security team and brought in many of his military friends and relish in the power. Hmm. A lot of people also said that his newfound confidence bordered on him being cocky. Chris kept a strict orderly home and was the parent that handled the discipline. 
The boys, for the most part, Garrett and Gavin, were described as classic little boys who were rambunctious and eager for fun, yet obedient and respectful. Yeah. Uh, Chris was not very affectionate with the boys, just like no hugging, no I love you, just a lot of attaboys after sports, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and definitely was not affectionate with his wife. Right. Um, Austin LaPlante, who is a uh, teenage son of a friend of Sherry's, he would babysit for the Coleman's, and he said, quote, their house was always very clean, everything in place, everything just perfect, yeah. which mm. um, he said that Sherry was very affectionate, full of fun, and ready to let her boys be boys, mm -hmm. but, quote, Chris was always telling them, don't do that. He was kind of distant, very disciplinary, very reserved, and collected. He'd walk in and say, kids, time to go. But he must have been different at home because those boys absolutely adored him. Mm. Kathy LaPlante, who is Austin's mother, she is the executive assistant to Joyce's husband, David, and said about Sherry, quote, she always made me laugh. She was like hope in a bottle. Mm. So 12 years prior to this time right now, um, Sherry was a fun, uninhibited, and wildly playful 21-year-old when Chris met her. Now she was married, born again, and devoting her time to their two sons' church and mission trips, which apparently was starting to get to Chris because when they met, she partied. Now she's a stay-at-home mom. She is organizing trivia night fundraisers and show up and buy something parties and not partying, essentially. Yeah. Um, Sherry had an old high school friend that she still kept in touch with by the name of Terry Lintz. Um, and a lot of people said that Terry or Tara, excuse me, was jealous of Sherry because Sherry had her shit together and Tara really didn't, they thought. So Tara was single and worked as a hostess at a gentleman's club and a cocktail waitress at Derby Lane Dog Track in St. Petersburg, Florida. Sherry didn't talk about her old friend only once mentioning that Tara's life wasn't reconciled with Christ and she was praying for her. Money was also a point of tension for the couple. Chris liked making it and living the life it brought, and Sherry liked spending it and giving it away. She splurged at the mall for the boys and planned a mission trip to a leper colony, which we need to find out where the fuck where leprosy the is still fuck? happening. Yeah, and why the fuck would you go? Right. I'm they, sorry. They don't need Jesus. They need medicine. Yeah, I'm so, sorry, but why the fuck would you I didn't. I didn't think leprosy was still a fucking thing. I didn't either. We're going to have to find out. Um, a neighbor recalls Chris saying to Sherry, oh, chill out, you holy roller. You used to be so wild and crazy. After she bought food and blankets for the homeless, driving around St. Louis distributing them, which is very sweet. She's clearly a better person than we are. Yeah. Uh, in spring of 2009, uh, people noticed that Chris started to grow his hair out again, which was weird for him, and stated, quote, I'm a changed man. He also started drinking more heavily than he had ever been seen by the neighbors. They would hang out with a neighbor couple, Vanessa and Chris. So there's two Chris's. Um, Vanessa said that Chris would normally have one or two beers, but on one particular night, he pulled out a big bottle of hard liquor, stating he got it on one of his work yeah. trips. So he traveled a lot with the Joyce Meyer Ministries, they, right. and they would go everywhere, yeah. around the world. So. Yeah. Um, I wonder what kind of booze it was and where he got it. Probably some good shit. It probably was. Yeah. Um, 
So on this particular night, Sherry was also drinking, which was not very normal for her, but she was also being very quiet. Uh, When she asked for another Corona, Chris said to her, quote, get up off your ass and get it yourself, get it yourself, you lazy bitch. (laughs) You would have no teeth. Yeah, I'd be in the pond. Like in front of this other couple. Yeah, that's awkward. Who then were like fuck this uh, like the yeah the neighbor said that she kind of like nudged her fiance yeah. and was like i'm really fucking uncomfortable we gotta go yeah so she said that in the five years that they had known at chris and cherry she had never heard him speak to her that way um he's coming unglued yeah yeah now uh vanessa's fiance chris butler hung out with chris coleman once a month He said that Chris was constantly complaining about his, quote, shotgun marriage and that he worked 80 to 90 hours a week, quote, protecting some millionaire lady I don't even like while my old lady gets to sit at home in this nice big house. Ouch. Fuck and you. Ouch. Don't call me your old lady, by the way. I fucking hate that. Yeah. Like, I don't don't understand that. I think I tried to once. You did try to once. Shut up. Yeah. I, no. Yeah, you don't like that. I had a kid and I used the word kid. Because he was a kid. Yeah. He filled out an application and for his emergency contact he put his girlfriend's name. And for relationship he wrote that. he wrote my old lady. Oh, come on. He wrote my old lady. He's he's Dude. honey, you're nineteen. You're killing me. You smalls. have you have a teenage girlfriend, not an old lady. Yeah. Dude. And oh, who the fuck taught me. you that at nineteen? Right. What is wrong with you? <laughs> right. So I handed it back to him and I was like, So this right here? He's like, Yeah, I'm like change it yeah not taking that um so he's clearly a fucking dingus he's not he's he's turning into a twat face um so in may of 2008 the two chrises took their uh, sons to see indiana jones in the kingdom of the crystal skull Mm -hmm. chris asked butler how much money he made and what he'd do if vanessa put a thousand dollars on his credit card at the mall He said, quote, I'm making a hundred grand a year and I've got to drive around in a clunker. We're so far in credit card debt. Uh, Butler said, I knew he wasn't happy. He was always talking about not wanting to be with her, but not knowing what to do. He said if he got divorced, he'd lose his job. And that becomes a huge topic later on. Yeah. Um, so when he got uh, promoted to the head of security, he was constantly traveling and Sherry didn't like it. So Chris said she was constantly complaining about it, Um, which I I get. Like, you get from him being home all day, every day, to him never being home. I mean, he also told the Butler that the Myers family 24-7 demands were getting on his nerves, and with all the traveling, he didn't get enough time to spend with his kids, which I wrote next to that uh, bullshit, because I don't think he really fucking cared. I think he was just trying to sound like a badass, and he wasn't. He sounded like a dipshit right. um so because of this he was looking into starting either a cleaning business or a gym and tanning salon which he talked about but never did he also made uh, a couple half-ass attempts at launching a training company i don't know what kind of fucking training like but what are you gonna train him in well i mean he was in the military yeah right? but what are you training him in well, i don't know he, he never security said so security or something i don't know uh and a video surveillance company which Again. Yeah, I feel like it would be something... Security-related, yeah. right. So that'll come up later, too. Um, 
even though he like talked shit about Joyce, Sherry said that she knew that he looked up to her. Um, she even made a comment to Larry Bridges, one of the youth pastors at Destiny Church. Chris is emotionally attracted to Joyce. Uh, Butler said that Chris, quote, thought the religious part was scammy, but then he'd defend her and say she made her money by being an author. He admired her as a person. So I think he was just talking shit again, just to, like, yeah. talk shit, you know? Um, he definitely liked her lifestyle, too, obviously. He, being the head of security, accompanied her everywhere she went. Right. Shopping, trips, didn't matter. And she would she would buy him a lot of nice shit, and when he would get it, he would fucking flaunt it. So, this is weird. His parents remember him saying, quote, I guess I'm pretty close to Joyce because I know her bra and panty size. What? Babe, what's my bra size? Uh, mm-hmm. Big boobies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big kadonkadonks? <laughs> so, that and I hate the word panty, by the way. Moist panty? Oh, my God. Panty, like, to me, <laughs> lines up with, like, predator. <laughs> well, I feel like it's a word predators use. Well, then, what do you... Undies? Underwear. Fucking underwear. Yeah. Unders? Take your panties off. That's... Like, that, to me, is like a fucking predator. Take your butt floss off. Yeah, well, okay, butt floss. Okay. But pa- panty? Yeah. It's a, it's a weird word. It is. Yeah. I'll give it to you. Panty. Blech. I don't like it. Yeah, I don't know your size. Just so yeah, big, there you go. Big boobies. Yeah, uh, no bra on the weekends. That's my fucking right. size. So another issue in their marriage was sex. Um, Christine Sincata would later testify that in January of '09, Sherry told her that after the couple had sex, which was a very rare occurrence, Chris warned her not to think it meant he loved her. Mm. Oh, it gets better. Kathy LaPlante later told police Sherry quoted Chris in bed when he told her to just shut up and turn over. Oh, ouch. Um, no. Yeah. How about that? I, I'd be in the pond. Yeah. To which this poor woman said, quote, he's not very affectionate to me, so I'll take what I can get. I'm going to take that. You're going to go fuck your hand, not me, when you tell me to turn over. How's that sound? Right. Yeah. So, one night, uh, Vanessa came home from work, the neighbor, and Chris was waiting for her. He looked upset, which is unusual for him. He uh, complained about Sherry spending too much money, banged his fists on the counter, and said, quote, I'm going to divorce her. He said he was going to wait after the holidays, though. Now, Sherry was beginning to suspect something. Uh, Larry Bridges, again, one of the pastors, received a text from Sherry on December 8th saying, things just got way worse worse with Chris. I'm tired of hiding it. I think I know what's going on with Chris, and I'm so disgusted I don't even know where to go with it. I'm not giving up on my marriage. I love Chris way too much. This seems like a horrible dream. Now, it sounds like she's, she's assuming he's having an affair, but it never gets pointed out out that way like it does a little bit but like who he's no like yeah that um, never gets brought up so um kathy laplante says that sherry told her after christmas that quote chris was tired of her keeping him from god's destiny for his life Hmm. now you're blaming it on god yeah right god didn't make you a dick (laughs) you did that on your own yeah um 
She told several friends that Chris repeatedly told her that she and the kids were in the way. Wow. In the way of what? Fucking douche. Like, I, I, how, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would probably have harmed him physically. Yeah. Uh, Sherry confided in her pastor's. And her friends for advice. She also called her in-laws, which obviously the in-laws didn't like her. But, I mean, she was grasping at straws here yeah. to try and hang on. So, so. Uh, at one point, she told an assistant youth pastor, Jessica Wade, at the church, quote, you want to see the woman my husband's having an affair with? And then pulled up a Facebook picture. But Have we, no fucking idea. Nope. Couldn't find it anywhere. I mean, I wonder if it was Joyce. Uh, do you think Joyce has a Facebook? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I like she obviously knew that he was having an affair, but it's never publicly I mean, what, known. What one person is he always around? Yeah, I wonder if that was who the picture was oh, up because I wonder if it was it it. She didn't have time to come out and say who it was who she thought it was with. So, so I mean, you, you just got to think who he's around. Yeah, who he has access to. Hmm. I wonder if that's who she thought. I wish we knew. Um, Christy Johnson, who was a leader at Destiny, noticed the constant look of sick worry on Sherry's face over the holidays. But by April, she was back to her bubbly self being happy and giddy every time Chris would call her. Yeah. Which, I don't get giddy when you call me. No, you don't. I no. wish you did. Um, well, I still get butterflies when you call me. Well, I still get butterflies. But when you call me, you're generally calling me to tell me that one of you has clogged the toilet. True. We are out of something. True. Or what the fuck did you call me for yesterday? I don't know. I don't or, even remember. my anxiety is high. Which, that no, that that's totally different. That doesn't matter. But, I mm, yeah. But I still get butterflies. Well, I mean, I still do, too. I get butterflies when I hold your hand. Yeah, I do too. That's why at night when we're on the couch, I try to hold your hand. I know. It's it's such like a... I feel like it's a very intimate thing. It is. Yeah. It is to me, at least. No, it is. I just said it was. But she would get happy when he would call yeah. her. Maybe he wasn't telling her the toilet was clocked. I'm just <laughs> saying. So maybe that's why she was like, oh, he's calling right. me. Yeah. I mean, you don't like when... It, hey, baby, I made big poops. Oh, my God. I about died when you fucking sent me that text message the other day. I know. And then I read it after. I'm like, wow, I sounded like a two-year-old. You did, I which is said, why... I just said I made a big poop. I made a big poop. <laughs> mm-hmm. The one phone call that I got at work when Jax called me... Yeah. Ma, I plugged the upstairs toilet. Dad plugged the downstairs toilet, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> you don't do a fucking thing. Right. <laughs> alone um so the, it turns out that she was very happy again because at joyce meyer's suggestion her and chris had started marriage counseling through the ministry um in november of 2008 chris started receiving some very disturbing emails they were coming from an email address that was destroychris at gmail.com and were filled with threats to the coleman family uh, it, yeah. The basis for the threats okay. sounded like Chris's work with Joyce Meyer. Yeah. Um, one message warned Chris to, quote, tell Joyce to stop preaching the bullshit or Chris's family will die. I will yeah. kill them all as Come they sleep. 
Which God. they're addressed to him, but they're still talking about him like in the third person. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another message said that, quote, I'm sick of Meyer's pampered ass flying all over the world. This, they thought, insinuated that he thought she was stealing money from the hardworking people. Yeah. Uh, That's what most yeah, yeah. pastors do. Uh, Friday... Uh, November 14th, Chris received an email that said, quote, tell Chris his family is dead. I know his schedule and they will die. Next time that motherfucker will let me talk to Joyce. Now, when did, did he make a report? No, not yet. Oh, come on. Um, so the email account continued to send these messages and it, it appeared that the person sending them wanted to contact Joyce and talk to her about not yeah. preaching, apparently. Um, the messages always threatened Chris and his family, though. Never Joyce. Yeah. So. W- why him? Right. Why him? Right. Some bonehead fucking bodyguard. Yeah. Um, but the emails were constantly threatening to murder his family when they were alone. Uh, one even talked about an upcoming trip to India and said that uh, he would sneak in the house and kill his family while Chris was gone. So in January of 2009, while Chris was in Hawaii with Joyce, a threatening letter was found in the Coleman's mailbox. This was just the start of numerous ones. None of them were addressed or stamped, which means that whoever put them in there had to physically visit Chris's home and hand deliver them. Now he files a police report. Uh, Columbia police put out extra patrols but never saw anyone. And uh, Chris now decides to talk to his across-the-street neighbor, who he'd never really talked to before. Uh, But this guy, by the name of Justin Barlow, was a a detective sergeant for the Columbia Police Department. So he helped Chris install video video cameras with one pointed right at his mailbox. Uh, After a letter was left in April, Chris and Sherry allegedly viewed the footage but could not identify the person uh, leaving the letter. That's per Chris. Nobody yeah. else ever saw this footage because he said it couldn't be retrieved. Hmm. Yeah. Um, one message read, quote, I'm always watching you, which is fucking creepy. See, somebody who says that is somebody who says fucking panties. Right. Just saying. <laughs> um, so soon after that, heavy curtains covered all the exposed windows and Sherry started carrying a gun. Uh, both Sherry and Chris also had guns in their nightstands. Uh, The last known footage that the surveillance camera picked up was of Chris playing catch with Gavin and Garrett in the front yard, which seems odd for Uh, a man who's right, who's threatening, right? They're threatening you and your family, and you're out in the front yard playing catch. Yeah, Mm, cool. So on May fifth, two thousand and nine, at five forty-three a.m., Chris had just pulled out of the driveway to go to the gym and was attempting to call Sherry to wake her up. Why didn't you fucking nudge her before you left the house? Right. Why You're in the driveway. Yeah. Why are you calling her? Um, Chris going to the gym was routine, but there was nothing to suggest that him calling to wake Sherry up was normal. Mm, he's trying to say Yes. Uh, he started texting Sherry while he was doing cardio. Quote, are you awake? I know you was tired last night. Was tired. Was tired. Uh, I have about five minutes left on cardio, then I'll be home. Hello, are you up? Time to get the kids up. So he goes from never fucking attempting to wake her up to to texting her 147 fucking times. Real obvious. Yeah. Good job. So 
He told the police later that he was worried when she didn't answer, but when yeah, he finished sure. his 20 minutes of cardio, he did 15 more. Well, yeah, I mean, you gotta... Which, fuck you. You gotta hit your cool down. Yeah. Clearly, I am not one to do cardio. <laughs> yes. It's a little obvious. Fuck, I can't even run. Well, your legs don't work. Yeah, my legs don't work. I can't run because I'm fat and I will die. There's a difference. See? You see, you can use the excuse. I my legs don't. My work. legs don't work. I don't have an excuse other than I will die. I've said it before, and I will say it again. My goal is to work a full arrest and not look like I need to be coded myself. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, uh, at six forty-three, Chris called his neighbor Justin Barlow to go check on Sherry and the kids. When he called Justin, he said he was five minutes from home. Yeah. However, uh, we find out later on from the ET cell towers that Chris drove past his exit and was north of Dupo when he made the next call. Um, <clears throat> so he missed the exit on purpose. Right. Um, so if he was five minutes from home, he should have been here prior to the them. cops going in. Right. So the neighbor, Justin, grabs his gun, grabs his shit, calls yeah. the police department, asks for backup. Good job. Um, Officer Jason. Dijon, I don't know. Dijon. Dijon. Uh, He was Barlow's backup, and he showed up a couple minutes later. So now if Chris was legitimately five minutes from home, this is when he would have been been coming home. Because you figure Justin's got to get up, put fucking pants on, grab his gun. You know, for backup, which is going to take a few minutes. Right. So Chris should have been home by now. Yeah. So they do, uh, they walk around the house and um, Officer Dijon, I'm going to call him Dijon, it's not that, but sorry, dude. Um, He noticed a back screen of the basement window was cut. So he called Justin back there and the two of them climbed through and cleared the basement. Um, By the time Chris pulled up, the two cops were heading up the stairs, upstairs, obviously, into the living area. And the first thing they noticed was a strong smell of spray paint. Hmm. So when they got up the stairs, they entered the living space and witnessed a horrific scene. Um, There were messages all over the entire home in red spray paint. Um, Some of the messages said, punished. You knew this was coming. You have paid. Uh, bitch was up there. Fuck you was up there. Like it was, it, the whole house was covered in red fucking spray paint. Jesus. So, trigger warning, kids. No. So, eleven-year-old um, Garrett and nine-year-old Gavin were found dead in their beds of apparent strangulation. Um, Justin found Garrett, and it broke him. He almost, um, like, he almost didn't remain a police officer afterwards. Really. Um, I've had a couple calls like that. Garrett's room and his bed had been spray painted. So in turn, Garrett had also been spray painted. The message, fuck you, was spray painted on his mattress. What the fuck? Yep. The boys had ligature marks on their skin or on their necks and their skin was gray and jaundiced. 31-year-old Sherry was found in her bed, also dead from what appeared to be strangulation. She had a black eye and a few ligature marks on her neck. Um, To police, the black eye indicated that she had attempted to fight off her attacker. Um, The police inside the home can hear Chris asking PD outside what happened. 
shortly after Justin went down and told his family or in, and told Chris, you know, the family's gone. Um, the two sources, there were two different sources. One said he curled up in the fetal position in the lawn and sobbed. And one said he acted oddly, showing little emotion and unable to talk. I think that they both happened. Yeah, I was going to say it's yeah. probably a mixture of both. It, it sounded like he was sobbing first and then he stopped talking. So emergency responders thought he was going into shock. So they were yeah. transporting him to the police station, though, not I mean, the hospital. I mean, that's usually the response you get. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. a mixture of both. Of both. Because you, your brain's going in 16 different fucking directions. Yeah. yeah. So one of the EMTs actually noticed some fresh scratches on his arms, and he asked him where they came from. When he asked him where they came from, Chris started punching the gurney and then said, well, that's where the scratches came from. No, no. They were there before that. Yeah. And there's, where, where the fuck did you scratch yourself on the gurney? Yeah. What kind of gurneys do they got? So, hmm. They also noticed that Chris never asked what happened, and he never attempted to go inside. Uh, I hope they scrape fingernails. One of the officers uh, said that they were expecting to have to restrain him from going inside because they think that, I mean, when someone tells you your family's dead in the house, the first thing you're going to do is try and run into the fucking house. Yeah. And he didn't. So um, one of the reporters was quoted as saying, this was a monster. Somebody who would spray paint the walls, spray paint one of the boys, strangle the kids while they slept. Yeah. It was a monster. Fuck yeah, it was. And this was reporter Chris Hayes from KTVI TV. Um, the coroner arrived at 10.57 a.m., took pictures of the scene and body temps of the victims. Uh, Chief Joe Edwards of the Columbia Police Department calls the commander of the major case squad of Greater St. Louis. So the head of that um, task force was Major Jeff Connor, and he worked for the Granite City PD. Mm -hmm. So the chief called them and was like, we need fucking help. So they called out that task force. Also, State PD and FBI came in. Um, nearby agencies. Now, this is Illinois? Yes. Okay. Yes. Because they, they lived in a suburb, you said. The, a suburb of St. Louis. But on, in, on in, Illinois? On side. Illinois side, yes. So the okay. task force was a mixture of, like, borders. Because I'm, I'm trying to picture it. The Mississippi River mm. is the border. Right. Right, that, right. Down there, right. So, I mean, St. Louis, from where they lived, was, it's yeah. like a you know six minute drive so this guy worked for granite city which i believe was illinois okay Um, i'm positive that that is yeah okay so the um they were all like what what the fuck like first of all why is somebody making death threats to a fucking bodyguard and not the person um so the investigation initially focused on possible enemies of joyce meyer there was uh, a few people that had previously publicly threatened joy so they were very quickly ruled out they were able to rule them out quickly see like i feel yeah you you need to look at that but like this is just too i I don't know i mean i think they did it to cover their own ass yeah they were covering every basis he's got to be looked at as the offender immediately well the spouse always is yeah and then ruled out because it's just these bullshit emails. Mm-hmm. Well, None at this point, he's he's at this point he's being 
he's he was transported by EMS not to the hospital but to the police station. Yeah. So, and these the and, people that had made the threats. Out, oh yeah. You know. The people that made the threats made them publicly, so they were very easy to track down and yeah. you know figure out they didn't do it. So right. they were easy to rule them out. So now they could kind of focus. Yeah. Um, as the evidence mounted, police realized that there was a pretty good chance that Chris was involved. There you go. Uh, Chris was brought to the station for a formal interview. Detectives um, Dave Bibbins from the Illinois State Police and actually Justin Barlow, his neighbor, were instructed by Major Jeff Connor of the task force to interview him. They probably had the neighbor because he He's, had a report. He, right, exactly. So, so that's actually pretty good thinking. Um, Chris said that him and Sherry had many issues, but they were going to counseling and attempting to work through them. He adamantly denied having an affair, but said he was a, he was quote, very good friends with a woman named Tara and that he would talk to her about his and Sherry's issues. Hmm. Now him and Tara met in 2008 in November when Sherry and uh, Chris went out to Florida for Joyce Meyers Ministries. And that's where her friend lived. So Sherry met up with her because she went to you know high school with her. And that's how she met Chris. So um, as they dug deeper, the police began to notice certain things that stood out to them. Um, the first one that stood out was that all three of them were strangled, which was very personal. Yeah. That's the other thing I was going to yes. say. That the frequency of that happening that is up close and personal mm-hmm. and That's it takes a personal crime it takes time it takes yes. five to seven minutes to strangle somebody and generally you're doing it while they're looking at you exactly so so that's an up close and personal right um the other thing they noticed he asked for a blanket he said he was cold but um the detective said that the room was pretty warm so they went and got him a blanket and noticed that he only covered his forearms. So they watched him, you know, and sorry, as I hit my mic. Um, the blanket would move and they would notice bruises and scratches on his arms. Mm-hmm. So now they're like, fuck you, you know. Yeah. So they asked him about him and he said that he had gotten them making a uh, roof repair. To yeah. which Justin Barlow was like, cool, what day did you fix your roof? Because I live there. Right. Yeah. Couldn't answer him, obviously. Uh, investigators determined an approximate time of death for Sherry, Garrett, and Gavin to be around 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. Chris didn't leave until 5.43. So Dr. Raj Nandura performed the original autopsies on all three victims on May 5th of 2009. She actually refused to give a time of death, specifically stating, quote, time of death is a range. She was not comfortable giving a time of death because she said she didn't have all of the findings of the investigation yet because it was so close. So they ended up having a second autopsy by Dr. Michael Baden, who um, I would fangirl if I ever met him. He's he's a very famous forensic pathologist who had, do you remember the show Autopsy on HBO? Vaguely. That was him. Oh, okay. So he would later testify that Sherry's black eye was caused by direct trauma. Did he just come in for this or like how did he? How did he get involved? Yeah. Uh, The prosecution called him. Oh, So um, because they figured. I'm sorry if you said that. I missed that. No, I didn't. Um, 
big cases like this, he gets called in on okay. a lot. I mean, I mentioned him before. So he said that uh, her black eye was caused by direct trauma, and the defense attorney was like, well, she could have been punched afterwards. And Dr. Baden was like, yeah, but who punches a dead person? Right. So um, the boys showed no signs of a struggle. Gavin had long, dark hairs in his armpit, which uh, Dr. Baden suggested that he was strangled second after his mom. And these were strands of her hair that were stuck in the ligature and fell onto his body when the same ligature was used on him. Um, Dr. Baden said that the violence was intimate and sustained and that each ligature would have to be pulled and held tight for about four to five minutes. He reiterated after a lengthy explanation, his estimate of the time of, of death was definitely before 5 a.m. and probably closer to 3 a.m. Mm. When asked if there was any chance the murders could have occurred after Chris left for the gym at 543, Dr. Baden shook his head no, saying, quote, this isn't even a close call. They had to have been dead before he left the house. Damn. They were in rigor yeah. when the cops got there. Rigor doesn't, like, full rigor. Right. Takes longer than an hour. Yeah. So, um, so Chris is left alone in the interview room. He puts his head down. He sobs. He starts breathing out sobs, um, like, fake. The cops walk back in. He just stops. Automatically stops. You know you're being videotaped, you fucking twat. Right. So... Um, the detectives did note that Chris seemed dazed and tractable. Um, he did say he got up at 5.30, left for the gym, and tried to call Sherry to wake her. Um, and, quote, she didn't answer, of course. Of course. What you mean? What you mean, of course? Yeah. Because you, you, you knew she was dead? You knew she was dead? Chris talks about the, the night before, which was a routine night for them. They were outside, obviously, you know, playing football. Yeah. And his job as Joyce Meyer's bodyguard, which he said he loved. Um, He talked about the security surveillance company that he was actively starting called Executive Innovations. Um, He doesn't mention his home security cameras that he has at home. Barlow already knows. The other thing, too, though, is that um, when they asked him for the surveillance footage, he said he didn't know how to retrieve it. Uh, Sir, you're starting a company for surveillance videos and you can't retrieve your own fucking shit. Good try, dude. Good try. So they ended up going to the place where he bought the security system from and the fucking 17-year-old behind the counter was like, yeah, you want a video of it? Like, (laughs) immediately. So... Love it. Um, Barlow and Bivens would periodically leave the room to collect information from the guys in the field. Um, They soon found out that Tara Lintz was more than just a friend. So, while Chris is being interviewed, homicide detectives in St. Peter's, St. Petersburg. There you go. Say it one more time. No, because I don't think I can. Say it five times fast. St. Petersburg, Florida. St. Petersburg, Florida. St. Petersburg, Florida. St. Petersburg, Florida. I hope you fuck it up. St. Petersburg, Florida. Mm -hmm. Now you're speaking in tongue. Yeah. So, um... See, you just threw me off. So while he was being interviewed, uh, detectives down in Florida went and found her and were interviewing her. Chris is in Illinois saying, no, I'm not having an affair. And she's in Florida saying, yep, definitely (laughs) having an affair. 
Um, she said that not only was it an affair, but they were in an actual relationship. And that Ooh. Chris had told her that um, her and Sherry were separated. And he loves her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. First of all, girl code. I don't care if you're fucking separated or not. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, they had also exchanged promise rings. Oh. Yeah. So cute. Um, so there were several X-rated videos of the pair, along right. with several sexual messages. Now you're getting um, somewhere. He also had a stalker-esque list that included a list of Tara's favorite things, her account usernames and passwords. 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 What? Passwords. Panty size. What is <laughs> what is with him and people's fucking underwear size? I don't know, dude. Um. Also, the name of their future daughter, which would have been Zoe Lynn. Oh, that's creepy. Because they're 14, uh, right? That's yeah. fucking creepy. Uh, the most damning part that they found on his phone was a little note that he wrote, the day that Tara changed my life. Oh, dude. 11-5-08. What a fucking boner. So that was the same month that the messages started, the emails. This dude yeah. is a tool. So the two were planning on making their affair a, in a permanent relationship, and Tara was pushing Chris to divorce Sherry. Chris told Tara that he was serving Sherry with divorce papers on May 4th, uh, but that he finally gave them to her on May 5th. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were murdered on May 5th. Yeah. So he kills his fucking family, and then he texts his fucking girlfriend. Yeah, he served her with divorce papers. Dude, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, she also told police that she would travel with Chris when he traveled for work. Yeah. So if he went, like, he went to Hawaii, she he would fly her out. Really? Yeah. Fuck wow. you. Um. So the detective started asking Chris about a divorce. And he said that, quote, we talked about it a while back about possibly splitting up or something. You know, it never happened, obviously. He added that now, quote, things have been going awesome. Really? Uh, Sherry's text messages proved otherwise, though. A, fr- a friend later testified that Sherry texted her saying Chris was telling her she ruined his life and he can't believe that he can't get away from her and he can't divorce her. Sherry said Chris would lose his job if he got a divorce. Uh, she also said that Sherry told her that Chris beat her. And um, this chick on the stand, after being told not to, repeatedly blurted it out. Like, she wanted people to know. Yeah. So, uh, Vincent Hall, who was a staff pastor at Destiny, read a text message that Sherry sent him the day after Christmas. Yeah. That said, quote, I'm not getting the whole story. He told me he's leaving because of his, he's, he told me he's leaving because of his job, but if Joyce finds out, she'll fire him. Uh, Kathy LaPlante said she got a late night phone call from Sherry that said, uh, quote, I want Danny Meyer's phone number. Chris said as soon as he comes home, he wants to leave me. He hates me. He wants to leave me. He doesn't love me. He never did. I want Danny to talk to Joyce. Mm. So they now, um, the detective started asking him about his finances, which he very politely said, uh, I make over a hundred grand a year. She doesn't have to work, but she enjoys it. So I let her. He made no mention um, of their debts. He did tell them that they were actively planning a trip to Disneyland, uh, but then conveniently left out the part about him canceling the trip to Disneyland and booking a Virgin Islands cruise for him and Tara. Oh. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> they asked if Chris is being 100% honest, and he said, yeah, yeah, I did my best. <laughs> All righty, then. I mean, I feel like that's a yes or no question. Yeah. <laughs> Not a, well, I tried. I tried hard. Good talk. Um, the more information they were getting, the more they leaned on Chris. Yeah. He insisted that they were alive when he left home. But then this fucking idiot... Um, so Biven says, what would you say if I told you I don't think she was? And Chris responds with, quote, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I think she was. I mean, she was. She was laying right next to me. Oh, boy. <clears throat> so. You're slipping up, yeah. dude. They ended up leaving the room again, and he found Biven's notebook on the table. So he was reading through it. So he yeah. knew what they, you know, what they were taking notes about. So then they come back in, and Biven asks, quote, so you're seeing some madman sat in the shadows and watched for you to leave and then enter the house. To which dipshit replies, quote, that's the only thing I can assume. In four minutes? Four minutes. It takes a minimum four or five minutes to strangle a person. Right. There's three of them. Cool. Um, they left the room again, and Chris sits down and lets out one sing- singular sob. Ah, sob. Just one. Um, while the interview was going on, crime scene technicians were going through the home, which he had given them permission to do. Uh, they scraped paint flecks off the wall, got footprint impressions. They bagged hair and fibers, a Glock pistol, um, a care pistol, latex gloves, any shoestring or cord that could have been used as a ligature, two f- cell phones, a BlackBerry, and two laptop computers. Hmm. Um, once they get that shit, there's a breakthrough almost immediately. Yeah. They find out immediately, because this guy's a fucking idiot, right. and didn't use a VPN, so they find <laughs> out that destroychris at gmail.com was created on Chris's laptop. Oh, you don't and the say. first email was sent 15 minutes after that email address was created. Oh, you don't say. So, also, so they're going through his work computer and I, they find out that he continuously misspells the word opportunities, which mm-hmm. he did in one of the letters left at the house and Sherry pointed out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, four hours into the interview, the detective, the detectives asked if Chris knew how his family died. And he said, I don't know. So then they start asking him for um, bodily, I don't know, and handwriting samples. Bodily? I'm, yeah. So, like, I'm assuming that meant, like, they were taking pictures of him, the scratches and shit oh, like yeah. that. Um, and they wanted handwriting samples for the spray paint. So they got 25 minutes into the handwriting samples, and he started bitching about it. So they they let him stop at that yeah. point. Um, <clears throat> he gave police the clothes I he was wearing. Like with that, I, I've never, and I don't recall the task force ever looking for like handwriting samples. But like, I would feel like I would just look for past written stuff. Yeah. Instead of having him do it in front of you because you know he's going to be trying to yeah fuck around maybe they did it just because there was so much written like i don't know i don't know i I would just go off like i would collect like mail yeah like stuff that he's yeah does that make sense it does yeah 100 percent. because i feel like if he's going to be writing in front of you he's going to be he's going to be trying to make it different and you're just wasting time 
Um, so he gave the police the clothes he was wearing, his cell phone, his computer. Um, he authorized the PD to open all of his mail and search his car along with his home that he had already given permission for. Yeah. So um, he was frantically texting Tara oh, <laughs> that he served the fucking divorce papers before the police took his phone. He didn't delete it. FYI. Um, so, side note here, Tara found out about the murders at about 10 o'clock in the morning the day of when Chris's dad called her. Hmm. Chris, we find out later, told his dad to call her. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, Tara then acknowledged that she had received sexually explicit pictures from one of Chris's brothers... She also said that Sherry's brother had contacted her via social media and asked her to marry him. Dude, what is going on? Uh, Then she admitted she went on a cruise with another dude in December of 08. She also said that she used uh, Chris's computer on occasion. So those were my side notes. Uh, So the interview lasted five hours and 56 minutes, which uh, police said he gave inconsistent information and changed his statements. Uh, it is later said, they tried to fight this later, that Chris exercised his right to remain silent and wasn't allowed to leave, saying, quote, if you're not charging me or booking me with anything, I can go. I would like to leave. Yeah. Dumb, dumb forgot that he's being videotaped. This was never said. Mm. He never made that comment. Uh, the state's attorney argued that, saying that the interview subject must specifically state his or her right to remain silent, not simply say he wants to leave. Yeah. He didn't. And this comment, if you're not charging me or booking me, was yeah. not said. His Never attorney happened. said that he said it. Yeah. So. Whoops. Yeah. So he he obviously was released from the interview. Yeah. Um, the wake for Sherry, Garrett, and Gavin was held on May 8th at Destiny Church in Chester. Uh Vanessa was told by the detectives, quote, do your best to not let him think you think he's guilty, which obviously. Um, Detective Carla Hine saw Kathy LaPlante across across the room and said softly to her, I think you have more to tell us. I'm almost done, I promise. Uh, Allegedly, when Kathy heard Sherry was dead, she blurted out to her husband, quote, Chris did it. She didn't say anything initially because she felt intimidated by her boss's instructions, who was Joyce Myers, to pray for the family and refrain from speculation. However, she knew she had to go. So she left the wake immediately and went right to the police station and told them, quote, Sherry told me if anything ever happened to her, Chris did it. Yeah. Um, And then she said that Chris or Sherry said during an argument, I'm never going to leave. What are you going to do? Kill me? So, yeah. So now they're at the wake, and Chris is texting Tara how much he misses her. Uh, A memorial of balloons and teddy bears and Legos for Mm. Sherry and the boys were set up outside of the house. Yeah. Uh, Within days, Chris threw the entire thing in the garbage. What a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, He was arrested on May 19th and charged with three counts of first-degree murder. As expected, he pled not guilty. His trial started on April 25th of 2011, and it started with pictures of how Sherry and the boys were found. They then played the taped interview. 
Uh, Joyce Myers, they showed her taped testimony. Um, yeah. She testified that a divorce would not necessarily mean Chris would lose his job because that's what he kept telling people. Right, right. Um, it's handled on a case-by-case basis, but an adulterous affair would 100% result in termination. Right. Um, she said that in retrospect, she noticed that Chris wasn't as attentive to his duties and he was forgetting things. And then on May 4th, quote, he called and told me he wasn't feeling good and asked if he could take the day off. I didn't remember him ever calling me and saying he didn't feel good and wanted to take off. So then Tara took the stand for a whole fucking 20 minutes. Oh, boy. She initially refused to come to St. Louis, but was ordered by a Florida judge to come to St. Louis. Yeah. Her answers were quick, matter of fact, and snippy like a pissed off teenager. Um, so a small crucifix was around her neck. Because apparently she found God. Oh. She found Jesus. Of course she did. Do you want to know who she found Jesus through? Who? Chris's dad. What the fuck? Uh, he would later say, Ron Coleman, quote, that she got born again with it all happening. She called me and said, Pastor Ron, this is Tara. My first thought was, Tara, you shouldn't be calling me. She asked for our forgiveness. Why the fuck are you asking for their forgiveness? Right. By the way. Said she recognizes now that it was wrong. Oh, of course. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you want to know what they found on Ron's computer? What? Uh, a naked picture of Tara. That does not surprise me one bit. No. So she wore the cu- the crucifix. Do you want to know what else she was wearing? What? Uh, the motherfucking promise ring that he gave her. God. Yeah. Uh, she said, obviously, that Chris had professed her love. Um, now, Ron... <laughs> went on to say that Sherry told Chris all the time that he was moody and wasn't affectionate enough. She never did compliment him. That's why he was so attracted to Tara. It gets worse. (laughs) Tara was just meeting a need at the time that Sherry wasn't taking care of. Well, I mean, every man has desires and every man has to be respected. It's built into every man. If your wife doesn't respect you, then you're going to find respect someplace else. And that Sherry, for a brief time, had stepped back from doing her job as a wife. All right. And your wife didn't fucking kill you? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, my God. So then the poor computer forensics guy has to explain the pictures because they didn't want to show them to the jury. Yeah. Uh, The poor guy was so fucking uncomfortable. Which, And I don't know why they just didn't show the pictures because they ended up showing a video. That would have been a lot easier. Oh, yeah, the poor guy was, like, trying to be politically correct. Yeah, and that's, no, well, then, just show the picture. Then they showed a video that Chris made that was blacked out, obviously, in some, spart- some oh spots. But, um, well, so, was it a porno or something? Basically, yeah. So Jeez. Chris is naked, talking into the camera like he's talking to Tara about still having a heart on. <laughs> uh, and he wanted to tell her that he loved her. And then he proceeds to jerk off in the shower. And tells her that she's the only person he's ever done anything like that for. Yeah. Oh, Um, my God. I'm just thinking if I made a video like this to you, you would be, what the fuck is wrong I'd be like, what were you you? doing? (laughs) Why do you have this much time on your fucking hands? (laughs) For real. So then his mom said, quote, it was like they were abusive to him and he was like a lamb to slaughter. What? He slaughtered his family. Yeah. Yeah. So then she went on to say, because she was asked why they didn't have any reaction. Um, she said, quote, what would Christ have done? Would he have made a scene? No. 
He might have cried, which we did, but most of that was done in the back room. Actually, we were asking the Lord to help us for Chris's sake. The day they showed the sex film, we said, Lord, please let us stay in our seats and Chris know we are not ashamed of him. So the jerking off video made you pray to the Lord, but the fact that he spray painted fuck you over his over your grandson didn't bother you? No. You didn't pray to the Lord for that one? Dude, these people kill me. Yeah. Um, so they did get a handwriting expert up who said he couldn't really do anything definitive yeah. with it, yeah. saying that it looked like somebody was purposely trying to disgu- you know, disguise yeah. their handwriting. Right. So then they abruptly turned, the defense abruptly just rested. So um, the in closing arguments, his attorney was like, he doesn't even have so much as a fucking ticket. Um, and that uh, there was no murder weapon and the state was not re- able to recover a speck of paint from Chris Coleman. You know what they did find, though? What? The receipt for the fucking spray paint. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I'll skip through this so I don't have to go through. I did write more than I should have. I am going to read the prosecution, summing up their case, though. Yeah. So the prosecutor finished his closing argument with, quote, when the killer went to each of the little boys' rooms in turn, and when the killer sat down on their beds, and when the killer reached for them to strangle them, you've seen the pictures. They didn't get up and run. They didn't scream. Of course they didn't. Why would they? It was just dad. That one, I got fucking goosebumps. That's rough. So they thought, um, the jury is now deliberating, they thought it was going to be very quick. It wasn't. Um, It turns out five people had thoughts that there was actual reasonable doubt, so that's what they were holding out for. Yeah. Um, They had asked for some evidence to be brought to them, and one of the jurors picked up a picture and turned it over, and on the back it was was time-stamped. It was date-stamped for two months prior to when Tara and Chris said they started their relationship. So the jury was like, well, if he's going to lie about that, he's going to lie about everything else. exactly. So after 15 hours, the jury came back with a guilty verdict on all three counts. Good. On May 5th, 2011, which was the two-year anniversary of the murders. On May 6th, the jury unanimously finds Chris Coleman eligible for the death penalty, voting that his actions were, quote, brutal and heinous, indicative of wanton cruelty, and that the murders were, quote, committed in a cold-blooded, premeditated murder. I didn't think we had those. We did. So, okay. So, Pat Quinn had actually um, put a stay on the death penalty. Yeah. Um, in, and, but it wasn't, it wasn't going to take effect until July 1st of that year. So they could give him a death penalty sentence, but it would be just for show, essentially, because by the time it would have occurred, Pat Quinn's order would have gone into effect. I did write that down. I knew you were going to ask me about that. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. Yeah, stupid. Strangle him. Yep. While somebody watches. Yep. Um, so the judge ends up sentencing Chris Coleman to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Uh, I'm, I'm done. I just want to read one more thing. Mm-hmm. Um, most people say that Chris is a sociopath as though it solves it all, like puts it in a nice little package with a bow. Uh, but the truth is he didn't need to be mentally ill to do what he did. He just had to be desperate enough to be violent and capable of containing his feelings, acts, and beliefs in separate airtight compartments. Yeah. There were no gray areas with him. Yeah. He became obsessed with a sexy darkness that was new to him, and the infatuation completely changed him. Mm-hmm. 
So he is now in Pontiac Prison. Pontiac Correctional Institute, I'm sorry. Well, my sister used to work there. At, at Pontiac? Yeah. yeah. She's a nurse there. Um, where he will be for the rest of his life. He's, he's trying to appeal based off of, he said that he wanted a lawyer and they never got him one, which they have tape that he didn't, he didn't fucking say. One. Right. Um, so his first appeal was denied. He's trying to do a second appeal. You're a shitbag. Stay in fucking jail where yeah, you belong. fuck you. Like, you spray painted your fucking kid. Yeah. That that's the one that got me. Yeah. Like I get you're trying to make it look like somebody else did it, but you spray painted your kid. Yeah. Dude, you're a fucking piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. There's no way around it. So Man, So that's what a sad story. Very sad story. Because I I mean, th- those boys didn't see shit coming. They no. never saw their parents fight. No. You know? So not at all. That is the story of Chris Coleman, who um, I hope he gets uh, butt raped every day in prison. <laughs> so, in the poop shoot. In the poop shoot. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So. Well, that was good. Yeah. Sorry it was so long. I guess I wrote a lot more than I thought I did. No, it wasn't bad. Yeah. Um, I'm really not sorry, by the way, because I like the details. No, that was pretty interesting. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed that one. Um, how about you tell the people where they can find us so let me start by saying the next episode we are putting out is a patreon exclusive episode yes so only our patreons have access to it you can find us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash death do us part one we are on twitter at death do us part um right yeah Okay. Uh, we're on Instagram at DDUP underscore podcast. Mm-hmm. We're on Facebook as Jam Cash and Death Do Us Part. Mm-hmm. And we are, what am I missing? Gmail. Gmail. Uh, DDUPpodcast.1 at gmail.com. Yep. And we do have a website, um, DDUPpodcast.com, which very very shortly and by very shortly i mean within like the next two weeks uh we're gonna have merch up just saying get your poop shoot shirts because yes we are making poop shoot shirts yes i broke we're making everybody is like i want a poop shoot shirt erica even told me she's like you you have to make one with mark's face on it yeah erica no that's where I draw the Jamie. line. You want your you want your face next to the words that say poop shoot? Yes, and above it say come oh join the god. poop shoot. And your face. Yes. So you're the poop shoot. Yes. Oh my god. I'm the poop shoot leader. You're the poop shoot leader? Is that what you just said? Yes. Come join my poop shoot. <sighs> Babe. It's going to be amazing. Are you forgetting what poop shoot actually fucking means? Babe, <laughs> when you it's say come join amazing. Come join my butthole, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or don't be a poop shoot. Come join my butthole. Or just don't be a poop shoot. <laughs> but it's it's definitely got to have oh. my face. My face has got to be on there. I can't believe you want to put your face on a fucking t-shirt. I signed my first autograph. You did. And I had uh, Bennett pull it out of my office for Craig. Yep. And today. Jack signed it too. Yep. And Jack put on there, don't be a poop shoot. He did write, don't be a poop shoot. <laughs> Except I think he wrote, don't be a pop shoot. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he spelled poop wrong. 
with the amount of times he says poop, you should be able to spell it. So I know. But um, going along with the Patreon, we are going to be doing more Patreon episodes. Yes. So if you want all access to all our episodes, mm-hmm. you guys have to sign up. Um, we greatly appreciate it. There are three different tiers that you could choose from. They are very inexpensive. Yep. Um, but it helps us out too. Yeah. You know, for it's the support is amazing. Yeah. It's it's overwhelming, and we love you guys for it. Um, we are going to try also along with the merch in the next two weeks. I would like to try and do a live show within the next two weeks, which is going to be fucking ridiculous. Well, we got to figure out YouTube first. Yeah, I know. Well, well, I told you I'll call them. Okay. So. But yeah, I mean, once we get it. Mark's not going to put a shirt on. Yeah, why not? I mean, whatever. I have my long hair and my fucking cowboy hat. <laughs> there you go. Fuck yeah, dude. We'll have to get you a t-shirt first, and then you can wear the t-shirt of you. Yeah. I'm not wearing a t-shirt with your face on it, by the way. Why not? <laughs> because I'm not. Guys, would you wear a shirt they with would. my face? That doesn't mean I have to. Like, how about my whole body, like in a wheelchair, waving? Oscar asked me the other day if you liked that idea that we talked about. Me pushing you, holding a cup of coffee in your wheelchair with, like, yeah. ribbons behind it. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, we want to put that on a t-shirt. Oh, fuck yeah. So. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's, yeah. Stellar. Yeah. So. So, sign up, guys. We really appreciate it. Yep. But that will give you access to all our episodes. Mm-hmm. Like I said, going forward, we're going to start doing more patreon episodes right we'll probably record twice a week and you'll get one free episode and then one patreon episode and the next uh patreon episode is going to be uh the case of shanda share so which i don't true crime buffs know it it's horrific just trigger warning now it's it's horrific kate you're not going to want to listen to this one just so you know so but we are yep. going to try to record that tomorrow or Monday. Yep. Get that out soon. We got this shit. We'll get it out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go take a nap. It. Yeah. Oh, and then next time, we talked about it in the first recording, but then I fucked it up. Um, I'm going to have to tell you how it went with the birds and the Oh, Jesus talk. fucking Christ, guys. Yes. We'll, we'll tell you on the next episode because that's... Oh, my God. I had the birds birds and the bees talk with Jack. He did not. He started it and said he made a diagram. I thought he drew a picture, and he didn't. He used finger-fucking puppets and then said, pray to Jesus. So, <laughs> no, he did not give him the talk. But we'll get into that next episode. Oh, my God. So. This is why I need a nap, guys. So. Yeah, I could use one, too. Yeah. Fuck yeah. All right, well, I hope you guys enjoyed this one, and we will be talking to you very soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye.